Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host, and this is episode 49 for May 11th, 2021. This episode of Parallel is brought to you by the Inside Track. Well, the big news in the technology merger and acquisition world, and I never thought I would say that on my show because it's not really what we talk about, recently has been Microsoft's acquisition of Nuance Communications. It's the second biggest acquisition Microsoft has ever done, which is saying something because the biggest one was LinkedIn, and they've also acquired companies like Skype and about a billion game studios. But Nuance was a pretty big deal for Microsoft and certainly for Nuance. It's also a pretty big deal for people with blindness and visual impairment who use Nuance products in ways that others do not. Uh, to the, the, tech, the speech technology that that company provides is all over products for blind and visually impaired folks. And so I wanted to talk about the significance of the Microsoft merger overall and specifically with regard to accessibility tech with somebody who keeps track of all of these things in his daily life, and that is uh, Mr. Stephen Scott. Stephen, welcome to Parallel. Hey, Shelley, how are you? I am terrific. Let's tell everybody a little bit about you. You are the host of Double Tap TV on AMI-TV in Canada, as well as Double Tap Live on AMI-audio in Canada. Oh, my God, you're so busy. And then you do the weekly tech talk show for the RNIB in the UK, which is a radio show focused on blindness and visually impaired folks and technology. So you, you know a little bit about this kind of stuff. Well, they, they say that. I'm not entirely convinced that's true. Uh, and I'm not sure some of the listeners would believe it either, but... But um, I certainly try. Well, and, it, and it's, much, it's much appreciated. And I've had the pleasure of being on your show a time or two. And it is worth a listen if you're interested in uh, those kinds of topics. And uh, they, they uh, cover all the platforms, not just iPhone. Uh, you know, they'll even talk Android if you press them on it a little bit. Yeah, yeah you've really got to push us to do that. But yeah, we'll do it. We will do <laughs> exactly. it. Everyone's welcome at our party. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, let's talk about Microsoft and Nuance because I, I think people, when they saw this, and, and as we talk, it's it's uh, a little beyond the time when, when the deal came came out. But I think when people saw this, the, the people were just gobsmacked by the amount of money. And I will say, first of all, that I've read several articles on this topic, and the range of merger size that people quoted is from somewhere between 13 and 20 billion. They can't <laughs> even get the number straight. That's how big it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, what were your sort of first thoughts when you heard this was happening? Well, at first I thought, okay, this is interesting because I know Microsoft are, I mean, in terms of accessibility, they are really focusing in, they're really doubling down. In fact, they've just announced a big five-year plan to try and push accessibility further into their products, you know, from the ground up in new products and, you know, making sure that older products are brought up to speed. Uh, And that commitment to accessibility is there. Now, I know this isn't necessarily an accessibility thing, Although you could argue it is, uh, you know, but there are a lot of people out there who use Nuance products. And, you know, I think that you know, not not just disabled people, right? I mean, lots of people use it. You'll find lawyers using it. You'll find accountants using it. People who need to write long documents will often use these uh, speech-to-text products. But, of course, they do have a number of text-to-speech as well. And I think some people were initially excited about it. I, I was actually quite excited about it. But then I saw people saying... Oh, is that the end of eloquence? Is that the end of, you know, the, the Jaws voice, uh, the screen reader voice? Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of questions. And uh, thankfully, I've managed to get a few answers to some of these. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear what those are. You've probably dug in a little deeper than, than I've had a chance to do. But just to sort of 
bring it big picture a little bit, what the sort of the people who pay attention to it at the merger and acquisition level were saying was that Nuance was about artificial intelligence. It was about healthcare specifically because the speech communication tools that Nuance provides are used in the medical field. They also uh, inform the medical cloud, so passing information from one place to another and storing it, that sort of thing. So those are like the big picture areas. Nuance is known, as you say, in the mainstream uh, text-to-speech world for its product Dragon that is very popular with anybody who wants to dictate into their computer on a variety of flat platforms. Nuance has been the basis for other text-to-speech uh, uh, interfaces. And then on the speech-to-text side, as you say, uh, it provides voices to the uh, tools that people who have blindness and visual impairment, visual impairments use for uh, screen reading and for other interactions with their technology, uh, you know, reading speech aloud. And those are the eloquence voices. And the, the nuance is just all over. That's the thing to say about nuance and accessibility is that those voices have been licensed by a lot of companies. It's not just that one or two are using uh, eloquence voices. No, you're absolutely right. It's it's a, a product that spans a lot of applications. And those voices, you know, in the reality of my world, I tend to just focus in on that one area. But of course, the reality is that these voices are used for many different things. And I think that's partly why I got excited initially about it. You know, the idea of these products being available through something like Microsoft sounds great to me. I, I love the idea. And I, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, because what do I know? But I, I get the sense that Microsoft are building what is already a behemoth of an operating system, but continuing to build it into new areas. Now, this is no different to what Apple are doing, no different to what Google are doing. They're just expanding their product horizons so that, you know, more people want to get, you know, be part of that ecosystem and drive it towards, let's be frank, with Microsoft, industry and the health industry uh, is, is in medical industry. That is a huge area. And this is something clearly that's being cried out for through the products. So they want to make sure they've got the best technology behind that. So, you know, whilst some of us might look at it from the Dragon perspective, I'm looking at it from the Voices perspective. All of these areas will actually you know, enhance the Microsoft product. And that's what I'm excited about. This episode of Parallel is brought to you by the Inside Track. You know what? I love to listen to some new podcasts. In fact, I have sort of a podcast addiction problem, but you don't want to hear about that. If you're looking for a new show to listen to, try the Inside Track with host and resident car guy, Carrie LaBelle. The show features interviews with industry experts, insiders, and analysts covering the long-term trends, evolving expectations of consumers, and the effects of technology advancements on industry strategies. Each show covers a variety of topics, including AI and BI use in automotive manufacturing, connected vehicles, cloud simulations, intelligent infrastructure. And guests include people from Audi, Toyota, Anata, Ansys, SBD Automotive. So I listened to an episode about cloud simulation in development of cars, and that was pretty cool because it sort of turned a discussion of what we think of as building cars into how we simulate the building of cars and the creation of infrastructure that makes autonomous vehicles possible. So it was pretty interesting. So go and listen to it now. Just search for The Inside Track wherever you get your podcasts or click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to The Inside Track from Microsoft for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. 
Yeah, so typically, if you are a if you're an, an iOS user or a Mac user, you know that Siri has a number of voices, and they happen to come from different places. We know them by their names, but if you are a JAWS user, which is the leading screen reader for Windows, it's got options for these eloquence voices. So those are known by their names too. Can you can you tell us about some other products that use uh, nuance speech? Well, I'll be honest. I, I it reaches in so far to so many products that I I must admit I, I tend to find these things pop up. I often am fascinated by who owns what, um, and you know what's changing hands at different points. You know, one particular area that interested me was the eloquence voice. Now, for people who use Jaws. Uh, the screen reader, they will know that uh, eloquence is the robotic voice that comes with Jaws. And it's a great voice. It, a lot of people love it because you can get it up to high uh, high speed and you can use it at high speed. And that can really benefit someone who wants to work through items quickly. The problem with modern day uh, human sounding voices is that they're not good when you ramp them up to high speed. Blind people want to work quickly. Um, we're not always wanting a book read to us. <laughs> you know, we want a bit more than that. So uh, to get things done, you have to work at speed. Eloquence does that. Now, I looked into this because my concern, as a number of people had concerns about, was that, that eloquence would somehow become subsumed into Microsoft. And then what would happen to uh, to JAWS, right? What happened to that particular area of JAWS? Now, you're right, there are tons of voices available for JAWS, and there's always another one you can use. Um, but, and, and Ava, I have to say, is, is the one I've tended to go for at the moment. I quite like Ava, but I do switch back to Eloquence occasionally. Um, but I have been told uh, by uh, Vespero, the company that make the uh, JAWS software through the company Freedom Scientific, which Vespero owns, that uh, their contract for eloquence is directly with the company who owns it, and that company's not Nuance. So a lot of people concerned there about eloquence, but actually it's not part of the deal. Never was part of the deal. Um, it has not been part of the sale of Nuance to Microsoft at all, um, and therefore Windows will not include eloquence as a synth. I think a lot of people thought that may happen. Um, so that's rather interesting to to learn that, and I think it will put a lot of people's minds at ease if that's something they're concerned about. But to your original question, you're absolutely right. There are tons and tons of voices uh, that are owned. It would appear by various parts of other businesses. Um, and, you know, I, I've worked with a couple of companies over the years who've developed these voices. Uh, in fact, one in the UK, which developed a voice that ended up becoming the voice of, I won't say her name, but let's just say it's Lady A. Um, and that's incredible to see that. I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting for a second I would want to see a world where every voice is owned by one company. Quite the opposite. I think we need to have room for innovation here and other companies need the chance to do that. If we dilute that market too much, that can cause problems as well. So, yeah, I, I think this, uh, therefore, it makes a very interesting acquisition for Microsoft. Yeah, and the artificial intelligence part can't be underestimated because that is technology that's used to make the more human-sounding voices sound more human. Yeah. And it also provides people who use those voices the ability to tune them, whether it be pitch or speed. All of the flexibility that those voices provide comes through artificial intelligence and through the development that, that Nuance has made to, to make those voices even better. And, and yeah, I think, I think your point about the, their voices appearing in Lady A and another voice assistance is, is one that, that I've made too, is that it's not even always clear where what voice comes from. People in the blindness community for years back 
sort of know this stuff as history. Oh, Ava comes from such and such, and eloquence is a nuanced voice is the way they think about it. And you've just described how, well, that's not quite true. Because it's a little bit like, I'm a, I'm a fan of old movies in my, in my other life, and it's a little bit like that, where just because a movie has a studio name at the beginning of it, that doesn't mean that's who owns the rights to distribute it in 2021. <laughs> and voices are a little bit like that. And it's a bit like, it's a bit like, it's exactly like movies in that respect, isn't it? Because if you think about a movie, you, you know, I, I hear people talk about, you know, oh, it's a 20th century Fox movie, so it'll be terrible or it'll be brilliant. And it's funny because you, they, people seem to think that there's a building called 20th Century Fox and inside that building, they make that movie. <laughs> so that's just not how it works. No, not at all. And nuance is exactly like that. It's a, a bunch of moving parts. And it is fair to say in this case that nuance was purchased, but parts of the business that are associated with nuance, not necessarily owned by it, were uh, not attributed to the sale. And, and that's the case with this. But I think, you know, it, it goes deeper, I think, with today especially, because... Voices now, and going back to this human-sounding voice conversation, I think with identity politics being as they are, uh, and people bringing up their own identity, you know, and considering themselves with their own identity through race or through gender or through disability or otherwise, people, I think, want to see their voices especially in the blind community, the voices they perhaps use on their phones for their screen reader or the voice they choose and read aloud on Microsoft Edge to represent them in some way. We're seeing a bit more of that through um, Apple's new voices they've just launched for Siri through the iOS 14.5 update. And I think that that identity is really important. You know, I use Fiona. Uh, she's the Scottish voice for um, on, on the Mac. And I, I think she's called Moira on other systems, but and that's another issue. They keep changing the names. Um, but on the Mac, she's Fiona. And it's kind of nice to hear a Scottish representation there, right? Um, it kind of makes you feel part of the, of the world in that way. So identity is just as important as it would be for someone who is from Africa or someone who's from the deep south of America. You know, wherever you are in the world, you kind of want those voices to represent you, I think. Apple has done such a good job and continues to with so many different English voice styles. I think there is now an African English. There's been an Indian English for a while. Yep. And and in some cases, actually, English is has the best representation because these companies are in English-speaking countries That's that, true. Yeah, that's that very make true. them. There are various Chinese voice styles and dialects and even, you know, language variants like, like Mandarin. And I, I don't know whether there's a lot of work to do on the 20... People, people often quote voices... People often quote... Uh, a company is having, say, you know, 21 languages or something like that. That seems to be kind of a, a sweet spot. And I kind of wonder if the next frontier is multiple uh, languages or multiple voices within those um, other languages besides English. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, I don't know America well enough to comment, but I know from my own perspective, you know, you can drive 20 miles and people talk differently. Sure. And, you know, you need that representation in there. I think identity is very important for people. I feel it's very important for me. And I'm not saying that, you know, my, my Jaws voice is me, but I think it has to feel like it's yours. And I love getting into conversations on my shows with people and I say things like, oh, I can't stand Daniel. I cannot abide Daniel's voice because I can't. Um, and you get people writing and saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. He's got the best voice. And, you know, people just take ownership of that. And 
they almost feel like they're people in our lives. Um, we, we talk about them as, as human. So the next logical step is to make those voices more natural. We've, we've kind of adopted the personality. It's true what they say, isn't it? If you give something a name, an actual human name, you will feel very differently about it. If you talk about a person and you don't name them, then you, you have a disconnect. As soon as you give that person a name, it gives that person a face in your head. It gives that person a, a whole personality of their own. And a lot of people attribute to that. So I think that I, I love where we're going with this. I'm not saying, you know, what I said earlier about eloquence being great for getting stuff done. It is. And, and that, that's, to me, these are just parts of tools in the toolbox. Eloquence is the one I use to get the job done. But if I'm listening to a book um, or I'm listening to an article online, especially today, I'm going on to the cloud services, and this is another area of interest to me, is uh, Microsoft's read aloud function within Microsoft Edge browser. Um, this is fantastic what is being done there because they are developing cloud voices. They're about to dump a whole new set uh, in the next couple of months, apparently, uh, I think for the fall update of, of Windows 10. And that is going to have a number of new voices. These are cloud voices um, and they are incredible. I mean, if you haven't tried them, you've got to try them because they are just amazing. And I think we can see where this is all going. And I have to say for someone like myself who relies on, you know, my income relies on my voice and me saying words out loud and generally a, a coherent order. This kind of worries me. <laughs> <laughs> the robots are coming to replace us all. <laughs> I used to think they'll never come after my job. What, what can they do? I mean, the only the only uh, redeeming factor I have is that I'm generally useless. So if you can make the AI <laughs> terrible, then it'll be then I'm I'm finished. Well, we we need to work on that. Then. <laughs> do you know if Microsoft developed those cloud voices themselves, or did they license it from somewhere? As, as is so often the case, because I'm not up to speed on that. It's very interesting. So I've been trying to get a lot of information about these cloud voices um, because they just kind of literally came out of nowhere. They've come out of the cloud, and it does appear that they've been working on this internally. But I would imagine with partners, um, and there, these new voices are coming are the same. They, they've just appeared. There's no sense as to what's going on, whether this is an internal project. Even people within Microsoft that I've been able to speak to and people I know who will talk off the record are saying, I can't say too much or I just don't know. Um, these, these, because one of the, the, the key questions came when I had uh, two Windows PCs, both with the same operating system, Windows 10 Pro, um, both running latest software, all up to date, fully up to date with all the updates. Microsoft Edge, latest version, and both of them, one had all the cloud voices and the other didn't. So there was a bit of confusion as to why that was. And then I was asking the question, which seems like an obvious question for a blind person to ask, are these voices going to be made available for narrator? And potentially down the line, could they be made available to other companies like Freedom Scientific or others, right? Maybe made available so that, you know, an NVDA user could use them or they could be your voice of your Android phone or whatever. And the answer to that was, we don't know. So the people I'm speaking to who are in this field are a bit hesitant either to tell me about it or they just they just don't know the answer. But it's not, I don't think it's cloak and dagger. I just think these projects are going on behind the scenes. They're just eking these products out to see what people think. And, you know, we're very impatient as blind people. We want to know answers and we want to know what we can use them for because I think there's, there's a voice in there, a UK uh, English female called Maya, and that voice is the best AI voice I've ever heard. I, I would honestly believe with a few, I mean, there's obvious some words that come up you can tell, but on the whole, 
you would probably not guess off the bat that that's an AI voice. See, that's the one that's going to take your job right there. That's Maya's right. Maya's going yeah, to be on RNI, RNIB next week. Yeah, I, I'm actually tempted. I am actually tempted one week to, to let her have a go at it. Give her um, a segment. Script the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll come on. She can interview me. It'll be great. Be she won't laugh at any idea. of my jokes. We've got jokes. to do that. We've got to do that. <laughs> That'll be fun. Well, but that's interesting because if, if this whether this development is hap- happening internally or not, it does seem like the acquisition of a company like Nuance would figure into their plans going forward. Absolutely. And of course, they're not going to tell us. And, and as I've said many times before, Microsoft is one of the better companies at road mapping what they're doing. Not so much, well, here's where this voice is going to come from and here's where that voice is going to come from. But as you were saying, they have this five-year accessibility plan, which is a pretty big deal. And they will probably give us more hints. And all, and also, I think companies like Freedom Scientific and other companies that license voices are going to be having a lot of questions that hopefully will get answered soon. But it'll be interesting to see how the AI technology and the AI brains with a nuance are applied to whatever Microsoft is, is doing. And, and of course, it's not going to be right away that that's going to happen. It's, if you're talking about cloud voices coming out this fall, it's really not even relevant. You know, They're probably just starting to get together and talk about, well, what technology do you have and how can we apply it to what we're planning to do at Microsoft? And it might be a year or two or three before we see this stuff in products. I think there's one hint where this might all be going. And uh, I think HoloLens is part of this. Um, I had an interview uh, recently, which will be going out on Double Tap TV, um, in, in uh, at some point, I never know when these shows go to air. Um, it's up to the channel to tell tell us when when that happens. But look out for the interview with Greg Sullivan from Microsoft uh, regarding Hololens. He talks to us on the show about how Hololens. Uh, for those who don't know what that is, it is essentially mixed reality glasses. So not virtual reality. Um, not just augmented reality, but mixed reality, bringing artificial intelligence, augmented reality, virtual reality into one space. So you have a headset on which has uh, regular glasses in it, but you can see through those glasses and see the world in front of you, but with additional information added on. And what's fascinating about that is the description given to me by Greg was that this is where the computing part of our world comes away from those rectangles in front of us and actually becomes part of our everyday life. And that to me seems like the logical next step for computing, doesn't it? That you move away from a screen, a physical phone or an iPad or a screen on a desk, you actually move away from that and you actually, everything just becomes part of your existence through your through your eyes. Now, of course, there's a lot of work to be done and there is work being done through projects like Project Tokyo, which is trying to figure out how to make this experience accessible to blind people. So what's the alternative to visual or how can you turn that into haptic or audio What's the way to do it? And I think that, I, I, I'm not saying it's a direct relationship, but I think with nuance, that acquisition would bring about the potential for much better uh, conversation with your devices. So not just dictation or dictating a document or using speech to text in that way, but actually making something that is a, a conversational AI. Uh, we know that that. You know, Amazon have been working on this for years. Um, I'd say that's much more in a leisure sense. I don't know where Amazon take it next unless they move into the wearable market. Uh, but Microsoft are, are kind of there with that. And 
that would be what I think is the logical next step for computing overall. And I think Nuance could be a big part of that. Well, and it makes it more likely that people with blindness and other disabilities get to participate in that mixed reality, virtual reality world, because that's always a concern. When you put glasses on somebody's head, and that's an inherently visual medium, is the accessibility going to be an afterthought, or is it going to wait a couple of years, or is it going to be integrated? And are we going to be able not only to have the kinds of experiences that people with vision have, but are we going to make the most of those experiences and optimize them for our situation? Can we do things that we can't do with our eyes because we have these computers on our heads that can talk to us and can interact with us because it has an artificial reality component? And I I tend not to get too excited about that stuff because it's so far down the road. But I like to challenge companies like Microsoft to think that way. And it sounds like they already are. And I, I feel like that's, I think, I think you're right that Microsoft is in an especially good position to be, to lead in that area. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think it is down the road, but I don't think it's as far down the road as you think. I mean, it, it, this technology is already here. You know, glass technology has been around for a long time. We all know I mean, we don't have to actually have any facts here on this one. We know Apple are working on Apple Glass. It's going to show up at some point. Maybe it'll be this year, maybe it'll be next. But the point is, it's coming and it's in development. Now, I was thinking about the Amazon Echo the other day. The Amazon Echo, I think, was in development for, was it five or six years? Maybe longer than that, actually. But before it ever saw light of day. Um, A friend of mine, actually, who I won't name, but he saw it three years before it was due to launch. And he told me about that recently. And he said, I saw it three years before. I was taken in, I had to sign an NDA and, you know, do all this and taken into a darkened bunker, wear a blindfold. The joke was he was blind. So I don't know what the <laughs> point of the blindfold was, but fair enough. Um, and he was shown this product and he was at that point blown away. And he said, I, at that moment, I saw computing change. It was just, that was it. I, I, you know, it was very rudimentary at the time, but the ability for you to have a conversation with technology and get that response back, even in those early days, is incredible. Look what we can do now with an Amazon Echo. I mean, I think about just a simple thing, and I, I talk about this all the time. You know, my calendar. I am hopeless without a calendar. I'll forget everything. If it's not in the calendar, it ain't happening. But my other problem is I'm hopeless at organising myself. <laughs> so I need a way to try and bridge the gap. And I, I do struggle with technology to get a calendar to, and more so recently because I've had issues with JAWS and trying to learn things. And, you know, I'm working across different systems. I'm working across Mac and Teams and uh, Teams on a Mac, which is awful in my view with, with a screen reader. Um, and, you know, I'm going between PCs and different applications and on it goes. Whereas now I can just say to the air, create a calendar appointment to talk to Shelley Brisbane on Parallel. And it'll say what time and day, and I give it a time and day, and then it's in my calendar. Bang. And then I can adjust that much easier, much easier. I can ask my Amazon Echo, what's in my calendar today? Or when am I free today? Or when's my doctor's appointment? And it will actually tell me, it will search my calendar and, and route out that information and provide that back. That's powerful stuff. That, to me, is only a fraction of where this can go. But look at the power already that exists in a device that costs 50 bucks. It's incredible. So Microsoft don't have to go much further to get to that next level. Of course, the level of complexity is what we're talking about here, especially if you're getting into industrial fields. If you're talking about um, aeronautics or health, 
then yes, you're getting into a different area of complexity and it requires a heck of a lot more work in that. But the tools are all there. Well, and I wonder for things about uh, around health and, and medicine, whether, whether there aren't even opportunities to make the customer-facing part of that more accessible and more voice-based so that if you have technology in the background that's allowing medical professionals to, you know, dictate charts or to get information from the cloud using voice, either using their own voice or having the cloud voice return information to them, I wonder if information can provide, be provided in AIs to consumers. I mean, we're already not always seeing the doctor when we go into the medical office. We're seeing an assistant. Maybe we see the doctor for a short time. But a lot of the information transfer that goes on is with medical professionals that aren't doctors. And at some point, probably with robots, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. And you can imagine the, the conversation, I mean, even on a very basic level, the conversation between you and your doctor being transcribed and therefore encrypted straight afterwards. So that immediately the notes are done. So the doctor gets more time. I mean, that's what technology has done for, for, us, for years. It has enabled us to do more. Now, some would say there's a detriment to that. Because what we've done is instead of actually having more time to enjoy our lives, we've just filled up with more stuff in between. Um, but that's a societal thing. That I think that will sort its life out. Um, I'm finding I'm using technology to try and make my life easier. I want to automate more tasks. I mean, even the simple level like smart home technology to automate the processes of turning lights on and off at different points. Um, you know, even closing the blinds or closing the curtains, you know, you can do that now with technology. These are things that make our lives easier as blind people. We don't have to think about those things. We can just do them. And I can see more and more of that happening. So in that wider sense, and you know, going to the doctors, um, you know, having those people who have busy enough jobs, busy enough lives, if the technology can take the strain for, for some of that, that really would make a big difference, I think. I think it's about choice as well, because when you're talking about your echo examples, I thought about not the things that I wasn't able to do before, but the things I do differently now than I did before. Mm. And for me, it's around the kitchen. For me, it's around. It's really funny because I have a watch on my wrist and I have a computer in front of me most of the time. But I ask the A-lady what time it is a lot because yeah. talking to the air, it's like when you're a little kid and you ask your mom constantly, Mom, what time <laughs> is it? What time is it? And I feel like that sometimes. And I kick off music and I add to my grocery list and I do multi-step recipes. And so it feels to me like because audio, because voice communication is a native and preferred way of getting information to and from my brain, that that gives me a choice. There are a lot of people for whom they want to see their calendar, whether it's printed or in Braille or whatever format, they want to go through the list, you know, and see it in front of them and the to-do list. So it, it gives you an option that fits your cognitive self-expression to invent a word. I just invented a word. Cognitive that was a nice, yeah, I like that. I have no <laughs> idea what it means, but it sounds amazing. Same, exactly. I'm about to work on what that means. I'll let you know. So so what other thoughts do you have about the, the nuanced Microsoft deal? You you mentioned that you had been talking to folks and you, you talked a little bit about uh, what what Freedom Scientific and Vespero had, had said, but were any other insights into to what it might mean for us that nuance is part of Microsoft now? I mean, I think we've covered a lot of it, to be honest. I mean, a lot of it is going to be wait and see, isn't it? I mean, we, we don't know the answer is the, is the short thing. I mean, I, I think we know roughly what when, what Microsoft have said is that they're going to be focusing in on health uh, industries. That is where this, this application will go. But I think we know that 
what happens with this? It's a bit like, you know, if you um, tip a bottle of water up (laughs) onto a table, you know, the water will go everywhere. Um, That's a terrible analogy to use, but you know, that you get the sense, right? It's, it's, it goes everywhere and it gets into places that you maybe wouldn't have thought it would have naturally gone. Um, And that's the, actually the good thing about this, that, you know, with something like nuance coming, yes, immediately, we as blind people might jump to the conclusion that, oh, that means better voices on screen readers. That's not what it means, but it might. That's maybe where it will go. And I think if we get to that stage, and I think we will, um, we're already seeing it, then I think you know it's only going to improve the products. And you know, I go back to this point about the commitment that Apple have made to accessibility. You know, I, I was thinking about this earlier, and I, I don't quite know the right phrase. I'm going to make up phrases. You're making up words today, I'll make up phrases. I think that the, and this is maybe a bit unfair, um, but I'll, I'll say it anyway, and, and people can complain, all right? And we'll, we'll, you can handle the complaints on this one. Um, and save me getting them for a change. Um, I think Microsoft do meaningful accessibility. And what I mean by that is that they do, they, they, they consider not just the the journey, but the application of the product. Um and I was thinking about this because, you know, Apple obviously do great accessibility. There's no doubt across their products, everything's accessible, everything's there. And that's great. But I think there's a deeper, and we're certainly moving towards a deeper level of accessibility. It's one thing having access to something, but what can you actually do with it? And I'm not saying Apple don't do that. You know, the Apple fanboys and fangirls will probably write in and you know, I'm an Apple fanboy. So here I'm putting my hands up. But, you know, I think when it comes to it, I look at what I use Microsoft products for. I look how look at how Microsoft have evolved on accessibility and in the ways that they've evolved. You know, I was part of the Ability Summit. And, you know, it is such a positive conversation, reaching out, talking to other companies, not just keeping it in-house at Microsoft, but saying, look, these are the tools we've created. You can do the same. Here's how. And that's that's meaningful. That's valuable because it changes society. These are the ways that society does change. Uh, advocacy, of course, is important. It's a huge part of it. But so is actual conversation between businesses who've done it and are talking to businesses who are thinking about doing it, may have never considered doing it, or are trying to do it. Instead of feeling like, I don't know what to turn, they can turn to an organization like Microsoft and say, look, we want to make sure that our products are working. And and we can use your products that are accessible to deliver that. So that that journey, you know, on a simple level, from someone checking out on a, a store on a website to, you know, browsing a website to, uh, you know, connecting with a team on their particular team's platform at work, they know that that experience will work for everybody. And not just blind people, disabled people across the board. There's been big arguments in the blind community around apps like Clubhouse because they don't include captioning. And, you know, I, I think it's a very serious conversation that needs to be had around what is accessibility and what does accessibility mean to an organization? I think Microsoft do meaningful accessibility. I think that's the, I think that's the right phrase. Let me tell you about another show here on Relay FM, Material. Hosts Andy Anotko and Florence Ion are veteran technology journalists, and they have a lot to say about what's going on at Google. They're also both excellent former Parallel guests. Follow Google's journey with them at relay.fm slash material or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I think that's a good way to uh, to bring our conversation to a close, except that here on Parallel, we always do what we call one more thing. And I didn't prepare you for this because you didn't have a chance to look at the show notes, but I'll give you a minute to think and I'll answer first this time. Okay. Uh, and my question for you, and it doesn't have to be a nuanced voice, but tell me if you could only have one synthetic voice in your life, uh, which would it be? And I'll go ahead and give my answer. Uh, my favorite voice, and it changes, and I use Alex on macOS a lot, but I really like, uh, I use a app called Voice Stream Reader on iOS every single day. I have it read long form things to me. And the nice thing about Voice Stream Reader is that a lot of voices are included. You don't pay for, you pay for Voice Stream Reader, but you can also pay for additional enhanced voices because he's uh, licensed them in such a way that if you want the enhanced voice, you can pay for it. If you don't, there are lots of good, it uses the iOS voices. It uses a lot of voices that it has within the app. But I paid, and happily so, a dollar for a neo-speech voice called James. He happens to be an English voice, British mm-hmm. voice. Um, and I like him very much, and I don't know why, but I like him to read a long-form articles to me, and James is my favorite. So so tell me, tell me, Stephen, what's your favorite? It's very difficult because I'm a bit like you. I change my voices sometimes. You know, I'm not someone who um, is good at uh, is good at sticking with one voice. Um, I, I I have to go for two. I'm sorry. I'll let you go ahead. But but different categories, right? So I, what I'd say is my day to day working voice that I would use every day for getting the stuff done, and then my uh, listen to articles voice. So I've mentioned her already. Um, Maya on Microsoft Edge through the read aloud function. Uh, Maya, the UK English voice, is stunningly good. Very pleasant to listen to. A lovely voice. Um, at, at medium, um, uh, what would you call it? A medium speed. Uh, it's, it's it's actually a very pleasant voice to listen to, and it does feel like someone's reading an article. And I found for those long form articles, you get into immersive reader by hitting F nine. You switch on read aloud with control, shift, U, and you're in. And mm-hmm. you've got this amazing voice reading to you. Um, but for getting stuff done, I found this voice on the Mac. I think she's available through JAWS, although I must admit I haven't, for various reasons, I haven't checked. Um, but on the Apple side, I use Alison. And oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a kind of new voice to me. I didn't really know much about Alison. Uh, I didn't know there was an Alison, but I just I thought I'll try that- it. Came along in around the iOS 13 timeframe because it's oh, on okay. iOS too. I, I'm not certain of that, but there's even an Allison Enhanced now, and that and that's available in Voice Stream too. I actually ran across her recently and thought I wanted to try her, but uh, yeah, Allison. That's and, mine. Yeah, I don't I don't know where that voice comes from, but I like either. I'd have to look that up. But and I think there's there's a bit of a there maybe needs to be a bit of a barrier breakdown as well between access to voices because that that's a, another issue, isn't it? That you might find a voice. I'm not saying Alison's not available somewhere else, but it just there are some voices that you think oh, I would like this. And what, I mean, why do I have to pay for it on Android? Well, I don't have to pay for it on Mac, you know, or Apple. You know, it's, it's just I don't understand that. That it goes kind back of, to that weird licensing stuff, though. Yeah, that's, that's no, the it's strange. I mean, so all the Microsoft voice voice uh, payment situations will be sorted because nuance has been purchased. It's all been know. dealt with. Yeah, that's right. good. It's Excellent. Not, a, not a problem anymore. <laughs> well, Stephen Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. Tell people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, well, the simplest way is to follow me on Twitter. I, I live on Twitter pretty much. I don't say too much, and if I do, it's usually controversial by accident. Um, never drink and tweet. That's my advice to you. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, what uh, what I'll do is I'll give you my Twitter address, which is probably the best way. Uh, you can find me at Tech Talker Steve. Um, Steve, not Stephen, but I am a Stephen. But I only use Steve because everyone gets the spelling wrong. They always think it's a PH and it's not, it's a V. So I thought it'd be easier just to do that. So at Tech Talker Steve. Um, hey, if you want to email me, you can just simply Stephen at double tap dot online. And that's my email address. So you can uh, get in touch with me whenever you like. Awesome. And if you want to follow this podcast, if for some reason you are not, please go to Parallel Pods on Twitter. You can also follow me directly on Twitter at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. Go to Relay.fm slash Parallel to subscribe and become a member of Relay FM, which you should do because it's fun. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Bye now.